The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out in front to Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Takes a shot, she scores! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of What Most People Think. How how the fuck are you? Are you are you sort of are you sort of getting used to the idea that the 21st of June is actually quite a long fucking way away? You know, remember the remember the the euphoria when we finally had a date and then you realize actually that's still four months away. But um, but but welcome to the show. It, let's be optimistic, that day will come. We're gonna have some budget reaction, and you know, who knows interesting things happening politically. Maybe Labour will become right wing because it does seem like there's a vacancy of current Tory party policies. Uh, and on that note, I've got, uh, well, it's not really on that note, but I just want to introduce uh, this week's guest. Now, as you know, same as with Constantine the other week, people coming back to show for the third time are basically are upgraded, you know, like they're on a flight to, to co-host. And it is Mr. Andrew Doyle. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Uh, great to be here. So how's it feel to be co-hosting? I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, but I didn't realise that's what I'd be doing. I would have maybe uh, prepared a few sort of smart things to say. But is it all right if I'm quite banal? That's as a banal is fine. I mean, what I thought you were going to say was I would have prepared like a request for a fee. That would be... Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But I, no, I think, that's fine. I, I sort of... If you're happy with me just winging it or being the straight man co-host, just sort of not saying much... Well, that's, that's ironic you being the straight man in this situation because you're not. I mean, you you love you like men, and I don't like men. And here we are. <laughs> Sorry, it's the stand up. I haven't done it. I haven't done a weekend stag and hen gig. If you're going to say words like straight man, I'm going to have to go in there with the most obvious gag. You have to absolutely. But of course, I mean, as we know, Andrew, where you've been on the show before, you do. Despite being left wing, you have your enemies on the left, and a lot of people have have doubted your homosexuality. <laughs> as a sort of convenient uh, bit of smoke and mirrors, it, they have. They've done it to my face as well. You know, they've they've they've, uh, they've even suggested to me. I had a woman after a gig come up to me saying, "I don't believe you're really you're really gay," and that, it's an interesting smoke and mirrors, isn't it? Because it takes quite a lot of effort to that kind of subterfuge. You know, to to have sex with a lot of men. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're not actually gay and you're doing it in order to get the uh, the kudos, then I think you deserve it. I think <laughs> you deserve to call yourself gay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many dicks did you have to suck in front of her before she was satisfied that you were? Quite a few, quite a few, quite and and I think I earned it. I I, I I think I've earned the label, is what I mean. Well, you worked hard that night, but you earned it. You earned it. <laughs> uh, just a quick welcome uh, to we are kept weekly and ad free by our wonderful patrons. You know, how it is at the moment, Andrew, with all these podcasts. That, that are basically plastered with advertising, uh, or the you know the left wing comedians who are essentially greasing the corporate shafts. I, I've fair enough. I've got nothing, no issue with people earning a few quid. I've gone the other way and I've sort of kept it kind of socialist in a way is that we are, we are crowdfunded and we've got new patrons, David Watts, someone who's put their name as name so long. Uh, I get it now. So their name is so long. They're not going to put it in. So maybe they're Sri Lankan. Obviously that's a racial stereotype. That could be dodgy. Couldn't it, Andrew, that I've insinuated that Sri Lankans have long names. I think I should have insisted that you're not going to say anything like that while I'm here because I'll get done by guilt by association with that kind of you, thing. Yeah, you've been, you've been sort of like uh, 
diet Jim Davidson adjacent, as I think they would say. I don't want to be Jeff Norcott adjacent if you're going to say <laughs> things like that. Uh, I mean, it's know. an outrageous stereotype to say that Sri Lankans have long names, but it, that's 2021, isn't it? They really do. And yet, even I, the more I'm saying it, I'm starting to feel a bit worried. I actually couldn't tell you if Sri Lankans generally have long names, but maybe they do. Maybe it's not offensive at all. Not all of them, but I think that they certainly rack in quite high on the syllable count. If there's anybody, <laughs> any Sri Lankans uh, listening, uh, what most people think, UK at gmail.com. Um, uh, obviously, you know, shorten your name down. Don't take the piss. Uh, we got Stephen Thompson there. I, I've got a run of people I think just sound like Scouse playwrights. Stephen Thompson definitely sounds like a Scouse playwright. Sean Gumbrell. Gumbrell, who just sounds like a, you know, like kind of a Steve Carell type comic turn in an American Judd Apatow film. Gumbrell. It sounds to me like a Lord of the Rings character. Isn't he the one who sort yeah, of comes around yeah. that king and whispers evil thoughts into his ear? Gumbrell, yeah, come hither. <laughs> sounds like that to me anyway. Come hither. No, you're right. That is, that is exactly what he sounds like. Steve Smith, who I think, has been a patron before. It should be said that we've just patrons have just had their monthly cash run where I, where the money comes out, and a few of you get your accounts cancelled. So this often happens that we have Steve Smith coming back. For example, it might be the Australian batsman Steve Smith. So welcome, Steve Smith. Even if you are the Australian batsman Steve Smith, I, thanks for the money, but I still think you're a twat. Um, Charles Kirtley. That's a strong name, isn't it, Andrew? Charles Kirtley. It sounds like an actor's name, actually. That's a stage name. I would say so. That's proper RSC, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone Charles... you would trust with some iambic pentameter. You would trust that. What 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 vocab to drop that early in the podcast? Iambic <laughs> pentameter. I you know, I'm not gonna act dumb. I do know what that means, but I, I haven't said it for a while. <laughs> it, no, it's not in common currency, that phrase. I mean, I would say Well, well, e- even even without checking, I'm gonna say that. Episode 79, that is definitely the first reference. That is the first mention. Well, if we want a real challenge, we should speak only in iambic pentameter, but that would be tough. Fuck it. I mean, it'd be tough and it's me. And and we're recording this at 7 p.m. And I've had my and I've had my dinner, basically. I mean, if we'd have tried that at 11 a.m., I'd have been like, I'd been like right. I'd be like fucking Christopher Marlowe, mate. Yeah. Um, they were speaking of swearing for no apparent reason, cuss count. As you know, we do a cuss count. And last week's episode was a solo episode, which is always going to be quite high on the swear count. 1.4 a minute. There was 36 fuckings. That's a lot, isn't it, really? That is an awful lot, actually. I swear. Way have you ever that, tried, like, have you ever gone a whole episode without any? Have you ever no. done a no, sure. although some guests have. Oh, I wish I, I wish I had it in front of me because they were, um, are a glorious the guy that basically submits all the data for this, David Domain, I haven't given him a, a name check for a while, but he gave me a leaderboard. And isn't this interesting, Andrew? You are currently second in the leaderboard for swearing with 21 swears in two appearances. Now, is that me or you in the episode swearing? Is that either? Oh, that's of your swearing. We've, we've separated the data, yeah. Oh, in which case, I'm going to make an effort to be like the, the Will Smith of your podcast and just not swear at, at, at all. I'm going to be like that. Because he's the only rapper that doesn't swear, isn't he? I think. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. I really lost respect for Will Smith once when he, in one of his lyrics, um, he he said something about having a cigar, and he said, "I just bite it. It's for the look. I don't light it." And I thought, "You pathetic prick! Just smoke the cigar or don't have it in your mouth." I think that is pathetic, and also it's a half rhyme, which I oppose from for poetical reasons. <laughs> that is that is the that is the most British sounding exception that's ever been taken to rap. <laughs> I wish I'd not tolerate a half rhyme for these bloody rappers. Um, we had 36 fuckings, 13 shits, six fucks, and three fuckers. 
So it was a sweary episode. It was a sweary. They tend to be lower with the guessing, obviously, but I think I've yeah. sworn quite a lot already. I can't believe there's someone who counts them all for you, and that's his that's his job. David Domain is, is well esteemed within the Patreon community. He uh he's 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 the VIP of VIP patrons. He's the, he's the, do you know like in cricket where they have like it's Andy Zaltzman now, but they have the kind of stat guy. Uh, I I, I no, not really, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, to the listeners, I think you'd sound like you know about cricket. So if you'd have just gone... <laughs> if you'd have just gone, yes, no one would Sorry, have Sorry, I, I apologise. The limit to my sporting knowledge is, is badminton and and maybe a bit of chess. Um, so what we all... Uh, so the subjects that we're going to cover together, obviously you've got your new book out, which is uh, Free Speech Matters. So that's out now, right? Yeah, that was out uh, last week, this time last week. So. Last week, and the great title. I mean, it's never mattered more of course the left would assure you that there's no problem with it of course there's... oh i've been told that a lot this week that's been you know seems to be the main theme on my twitter feed this well week. we we're going to pick up on that no by, by alistair campbell no less so we're going to pick well, up yeah well we could talk about that later if you like but no we are definitely yeah. going to get into that uh what, what i do ask of, of guests is if they can think of a thank you and a fuck you for this week something that you're grateful for and something that's really pissed you off i I will, if you want me to lead off, I'll go for a fuck you on a replacement face mask. You know, when you're out and you've forgotten one. Yeah. And you just buy one. Uh, now, this is not me just touting my Instagram, but you can see a photo of me there wearing something that looked like one of my nan's duvets. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good look. That's not a good look. You got? No. Have you got a thank you or a fuck you? Yeah, uh, I think. Thank you, wise. I did. I did the uh, the book launch, the official book launch yesterday over Zoom. I've never done something like that, and it was so. Uh, I, I it was quite, it was quite exciting actually, because there were there were more than five hundred people there. I didn't expect nice. that many people to show up, and it was uh, the questions were really interesting. I was expecting some people to sort of gate crash just to to throw abuse, but none of that happened, and everyone was really sweet and friendly and supportive it was quite emotional you know it's quite That's it's nice. quite nice to know that there there are i think it's because i spend so much time on twitter where where i'm just yeah. fielding a bit that i forget that some people are actually quite interested in what i do and that was so yeah. quite a nice thing to experience. and also no no one's as bold zoom is another step up i mean it's not like a real gig but equally it's not twitter there's faces and there's names yeah exactly so people are a bit more well behaved um in terms of a fuck you uh i was really dismayed this story really got to me about the uh, apparently every day in the UK during the lockdown, 10 dogs are being kidnapped. And that really bothered me. You know, I, I, mm. it really got to me. I know we had Lady Gaga's dogs taken the other week. Um, yeah, we know it's good that she showed herself as being, you know, not at all part of the liberal elite by offering a half a million pound <laughs> ransom think, and not. Yeah, the police have said, don't do that. Don't offer. I, the temptation yeah. is obviously to offer half a million pounds. Um but you shouldn't do it, apparently. And, uh, you know, but it, I, I just find it really depressing that how low do you sink to, to take someone's dog? I've, you know, and also because I'm looking into getting a dog at the moment. And I think it just I just found that a bit sad. It is sad. And also, do the dogs develop Stockholm syndrome in the same way that humans do? So, like, right. probably much easier. Right. So they're going to fall in. They're going to like their captor within about an hour. They do. They, dogs get every dog has Stockholm syndrome. You know, they all they all immediately <laughs> love their captors. Um, it's implicit so, in the state of all canines. It is. They're not like cats. In fact, there was a study came out last week about cats, and it, it confirmed what we all know. They they're sociopaths. They don't care. They're it's just a, 
if there's a fight, they're not going to side with you. That's what they're absolutely not. What... Whereas dogs are sort of like the the Uncle Toms of the the, the animal world, aren't they? They're the, <laughs> what, what what the left would call <laughs> call the coconuts. You know, like they they're kind of like they they want to be human. They cozy yeah. up. I'm, I'm actually losing respect for dogs as I'm saying this. They they are a bit sycophantic, aren't they? They're, they're sycophantic and they're needy, but they will eat you if you die. So they've got an edge, you know, <laughs> which <laughs> your friend won't do. I mean, the great thing about that is I sort of think my dog wouldn't eat me, but there's only really one way of checking. <laughs> That's it. Not worth the experiment. Okay. Right. Listen, let's crack into it. First up, let's have a quick recap of this week's budget. So, Andrew, I mean, we're just going to do a quick tour of this before we get into talking about free speech. But I, I know that you're just catching up with the budget stuff this week. But what it seems like is that those far right conservatives, do you remember the ones that we, we voted in at a 2019 election? I think I'm going to have to sue Twitter because I am not seeing much element of this far right regime yet. No, and uh, I remember you saying this actually when you did a gig at, at our night and you were talking about, you know, that your big regret wasn't voting for conservatives but not getting a conservative government um yeah yeah it's, it's my biggest regret is not is, is not getting one and you know like they've extended furlough till september it, it is becoming increasingly difficult to uh tell the difference between the left and right contingent in government now but on the other hand i'm quite nostalgic for that because that reminds me of the days of new labor where, where there were basically two parties that were identical and that was good that was you know quite it was a comfortable wasn't it yeah, <laughs> we are getting back to that. Maybe that's people don't want that though, do they? They want an actual opposition because what what is the point? What is well, the point? I don't know. I don't think Twitter. I mean, we 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 always mock Twitter, but we're there. We're part of this day in day out bun fight. And yeah, I quite like people painted in primary colours. But maybe maybe the country are quite up for a period of sort of sort of vague consensus. Do you think that's what it is? God, how fucking boring. I don't want, but I'd rather the country be at each other's throats and me have to have something to talk about. <laughs> no, I, I want politicians to be at each other's throats. I want a bit more of that. Maybe it's just harder with a, a social distance parliament. You don't get those, that sort of theatrical atmosphere that they've all, they all reveled in for so long. You know, the one that Jeremy Corbyn yeah, tried yeah. To, to, to stop and it lasted about two days. Oh, yeah, yeah. The email. This is going to be the new, the new PMQs. Well, imagine, imagine today if uh, if he'd have had his email from of Martha from Eastbourne. I have an, an email. I mean, that was that was just hilarious. I remember, like, even a lot of like real hard left type people were going, "We need a different kind of politics." With Punch and Judy politics is, and within about thirty seconds of that first email, I think even the Corbynists were going, "This is shit." Well, he just turned it into points of view. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's a reason that got cancelled? <laughs> 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 so, so i don't know I, where, what about starmer how do you feel about starmer at the moment well i mean he he got up today and he tried to do he tried to do a couple of um gags which always we, um, well always a mistake and also he was so reluctant it reminded me a bit of when Theresa may did her first scripted gag and it was her first pmqs and she did this long setup about i don't know somebody being anti British or and then she leant in Corbyn and went remind you of anybody and it was so overs it was so fucking oversold and, and Keir Starmer's the same it's amazing how quickly his bounce has dissipated and then there's a lot of people on the genuine sort of proper left 
that are just really dislike this guy. I think it's because he's written for both the Daily Mail and the Sun. I think that could be part of it. I mean, that's like a big no-go to them. That he's become infected. Well, is he? Well, he's actually trying to speak to the electorate. What the fuck does he think he's playing at, Andrew? I know it's it's you know he's he he made the mistake of attempting to uh, to reach beyond those partisan boundaries through the print media, and of course the print media is is a completely uh, partisan phenomenon, and you shouldn't cross the. I remember I remember Owen Jones um, saying that he apologised for when he wrote for the Sun all those years ago, saying that you can't do that without being in support of. Um, well, effectively, fascism. Fascism may have even been the word he used. I don't remember much. I don't know much about fascist newspapers, but did they do nine pound fifty holidays to? They did. Press that, that in. That was that was how you spotted them. Uh, that's what De Sturmer did. You you could go to like Benidorm <laughs> for a couple of quid. You, you go to Benidorm and then you'd sort of annex Benidorm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the um, one of the problems with Labour is that their strategy at the moment does seem to be like so. On Brexit, the strategy was: look, this is a real sort of clusterfuck. Eventually, the Tories are just going to fall apart over this. Let's just ride this out, and that didn't happen. They got their shit together, and then. They didn't learn from that because COVID come around. They're going, look, this is a real clusterfuck for the Tories. Eventually, they're going to fall apart. They'll never get their shit together. And they sort of have a bit. And I think that Keir Keir Starmer was the common factor in both those sort of initiatives. Like on Brexit, he was constructive ambiguity. That pretty much came from him. In fairness to Corbyn, Corbyn was right that, you know, maintaining his secret anti-EU stance. Um, (laughs) Not very well, to be honest. He couldn't quite muster the enthusiasm when he was asked about it. Oh, it's hilarious. People, I mean, it's amazing that I'm supposed, this is classic me on this podcast. I'm supposed to be talking about stuff, but I've, I've started do, laying into Corbyn and Starmer before. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I mean, like on that note, on that note, there's a, there's a, like a corporation tax hike. Now I know, I know you're a left winger, but the corporation tax hike, hike is, is due to come in in 2023. I don't know if this is a great idea because one of the fears with Brexit is that companies will just fuck off. What we sort of done is gone. Look, here's a two. If you, do you want to fuck off, here's two years to get ready to fuck off, because we're going to absolutely jack corporation tax up on you. Now, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Whether companies should be paying more corporation tax? I don't have a problem with corporation tax. I guess they're doing it at the moment because everyone agrees that uh, well, we've got to do something because uh, we're we're in a, a bit of trouble, a spot of bother, you might yeah. say. Uh, and if if anyone can sort of haul us out, maybe it is the. Uh, the richest among us. I mean, that would seem fair to me. You bloody <laughs> communist, Doyle. Look at you. Oh, look. As I let you talk. This is the kind of fucking filth you're bringing on my podcast with your yeah. right wing. Look, not only are you pret- pretending to be gay, you're now pretending to have some left wing beliefs. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just that whenever they say that the corporations are going to leave, whenever they, they yeah. say it every time there's a hike, and they, they they really never do. I think they're just too lazy. Like It's, it's really like hard. Like, I can't move house a third time within two years. It, it happened to me the other year. I was like, I'd rather just stay. Like, I've, or, I don't want to, I can't be bothered. It's really I think hard that. to move companies. That was one of the most sort of like uh, overhyped things about Brexit. Do you remember your mates? Like, I'm going, I'm going Canada. I'm going, yeah. I'd love to know what the percentage is. I mean, I think the, there was this hype pre-Brexit about uh, the financial services sector all going to Frankfurt. And everyone sort of forgot Frankfurt's, bit shit to live there in frankfurt like and london it's like a really great city i i would like to know has anyone ever actually left the country having threatened to do so because celebrities do this all the oh time my as well God, yeah yeah 
They always say this. Didn't um, who was that film director who directed Evita? He said he would leave if someone got in, and he didn't go anywhere. And various people have said this. Did uh, I think even a couple of actors have said it? I'm, I'm out if. But no one ever does. They never no. carry through on that. Threat. It was always. I always thought it was really offensive to Canada, wasn't it? Because they were always saying, "I'm going to go to Canada." It's like, Canada, <laughs> hey. <laughs> come to Canada, don't come to Canada. Don't make out like it's a shit option. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just because we've got Justin Trudeau, I'm not staying. I'm not staying in this country with a racist. Well, I, I will happily say that if Keir Starmer becomes prime minister, I will go to I don't know where's where's a bit shit. <laughs> Falklands, <laughs> but he still would be your prime minister on the Falklands. That would be oh, a really that would be a really great threat to make. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this! I'm going to live in Gibraltar. I've had enough of this. Um, but it, because it can never happen, I'm I'm happy to make that pledge. You know. Yeah, I don't cool. see I don't see it happening. I think he's their rebound guy. You know, I think he's I think their. He's, their... he's always been the worst choice for me. I just I I did oh, really? not understand. Well, just just insofar as if you're serious, if 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 the problem that you've diagnosed is that you've lost all your heartland traditional voter base. Uh, and that the reason you lost that voter base is because you you were calling for a second referendum on Brexit and effectively uh, just having, basically trying to ignore the, the, the votes of, let's face it, 70% of Labour constituencies voted Leave. It's quite mm. a lot. Um, then the person you want uh, to, to replace as leader isn't going to be one of the ones who really, really uh, <laughs> pushed for the second referendum and <laughs> yeah. pushed to stay in the EU. I, I just think it's an odd choice, you know? No, I, th- I think it's a, a very fair point. And I think maybe he's that guy. Like, you know, your mum gets divorced. She's like, the, the, she's had a few issues with her previous relationship and she just has a steady guy for a year or so. And you actually feel sorry for him because you know that she's not that into it. And like, it's not like, it's just steady. It's just the sex is, I don't want to talk about, you know, mums and sex too much, but it's, it's nice sex. It's not exciting, you know, but it's just laying the foundations for the next guy. See, I, you know, with... I can't relate with this coming from an Irish Catholic family that that would never happen. Um, anyway, but, but I understand the principle. Um, you just stick it I, out with the same guy. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> That's the whole point. That's why, you know, unless you, unless you know someone high up in the Vatican who can get you an annulment, you just have to stick it out forevermore. That was the, uh, that's the, that's the, and that's Stab part it. of, that's part of what marriage is, isn't it? The traditional marriage yeah. is about a, the long slog basically that's what it's about yeah so i mean like staying with somebody when you're still in love and find them sexually attractive that's fucking easy anybody can do that yeah that's it what about when that died 10 years ago and you're still there that's the real test that's love is when you don't love them anymore but you stay around i mean like you you are you are a practicing catholic well um i no i and i i mean I, I go to church sometimes, but yeah. very, very, very rarely. So I would call myself incredibly lapsed, is what I would say. I mean, I, you know, as, as a sort of C of E guy, I think if I'm honest, the only time I'd go to church now would be to annoy people on Twitter even more. I don't know if that's the right motives. Yeah, I, I sometimes question my own motives as well, because I think <clears throat> whenever I do go, it is generally to cheer myself up. It is a kind of... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it is it nostalgic. Is it? It does comfort me. It really does. Oh, um, but I so rarely go. We're talking either Christmas or, you know, or, <laughs> or if I'm in a strange town, uh, I sometimes do it then. Um, but I think I, just, I think that's okay. Like that's very, that's very this century <laughs> is is meeting God on your terms. 
it's terrible isn't it it's it's completely i mean (laughs) there is a space for me in the sixth circle of hell i think for for this kind of behavior do you know and that would be the irony how attitudes have changed it wouldn't be because you love other men actually it would just be god going i was absolutely cool with that but dude i'm only seeing you christmas you know when you were shopping while you were gigging in other cities (laughs) <laughs> to be to be fair, I mean the the gay thing does ha- you're damned anyway. You know I've read Dante's Inferno and I know what happens to the sodomites, and it's not it's not pretty. You know I've been I don't know if you know the uh, Duomo in Florence. You know the big cathedral at the center of Florence. If you go to the top, there if you go up to the right to the top, there's these amazing frescoes of hell where there are sodomites being anally penetrated with burning sticks, and it's very graphic. Um, but to be honest, it looks like some of the nightclubs I've been to. So I'm not <laughs> a, a, dark, a dark room at fire. Yeah, it's fine. It looks it looks more like an incentive. I'm, I'm going to say something now. I'll probably get in trouble for. But I've been watching. Um, it's a sin recently, and I've come to the conclusion. I think '80s gays were the best gays. They're my favourite oh, gays. Yeah, yeah. Because because that you know they were living through a, a tough time, but they were yeah. also hidden and they had the best music. The best music. So they had like on the one hand homophobia. It was still really difficult to come out. Right. Uh, on the other hand. AIDS, right? Yeah, comes out. It's all, it's all stacked <laughs> against them, but they're still out there. They're just like you know, like if you had top trumps and you had like seventies gays, eighties gays, noughties gays, you would always go. I've got the eighties gay card here. I'm definitely going. Oh, yeah, I mean, they were just tough. They were yeah. just tougher. They were tougher than my generation. You know, I remember when I was at Oxford, my my supervisor was like an activist back in the early eighties for the sort of during the AIDS crisis and. Uh, he was actually mocked in private eye as being the gay don at Oxford, you know, so it was like, really? yeah, he was known for it. Like, but uh, he was uh, attacked and beaten very severely. And uh, he was just really tough. And then, you know, I remember talking to him about all his old friends from the time and he would just say, well, they're all dead. And, and you just think, God, you, you know, you, you, yeah, you know what homophobia is like, you know, and, and, and I suppose yeah. that's maybe why I get a bit annoyed when people, gay people today claim it's, it's more oppressive than it's ever been. I'm like, you haven't got a clue. No, you haven't speak got to an 80s gay. Like, and also, it must be, if you were a scene, on the scene in the 80s, right, and then you've got people now going, this is the first time we're living through a pandemic, I think there's a lot of guys who go, meh, it's sort of not. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people forget AIDS yeah. was a pandemic, wasn't it? It was. Um... Yeah, and, and, and in the early days, you know, in New York and Fire Island and all the rest of it, where people were just dying off and no one knew why. There was, I mean, imagine how terrifying this is. There's no reason. It's just a gay plague. Yeah, it's an it absolute head fuck. Yeah. And, they, and they were still, I mean, I'm basing a lot of what I'm saying on programs and films from the era, but they were still going out and dancing to Ultravox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But there was something exciting about the underground. Like, I remember, like, even when I was young and going to gay bars in the late 90s and things, like, even then it felt a bit subversive, a little yeah. bit. Also, because I wasn't out, so it did feel... But, but that, a gay bar today is like... It, you know, it's like pride. It's like you bring the family. You, you, you know, it's just a, it's. There's nothing remotely. Well, there's a lot of my, a lot of my pals that were even out, sort of, you know, during the mid noughties and stuff like that. Is then, you know, gay bars and clubs were still very ghettoized, and and you know, and and willfully so. They loved, they wanted to be, you know, among like-minded people. But um, a lot of my pals are now same age as me, and they've become quite not reactionary, but they get really annoyed at the way the young gay men are like, yeah, we just go go out to the same bars. And they're like, you fucking ruined it. You've ruined, <laughs> you've ruined being gay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we all getting married now and stuff like that. I mean, what's, 
not interesting so anymore. fucking lame. Give me an 80s gay any day of the week. I haven't heard a priest denounce us from a pulpit for a long time. No, man. It really's lost its edge. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Well, listen, man. We are going to come back. We're just going to have a quick break just to hype some stuff. And then after that, we're going to come back. Uh, well, and talk about the, the the right to free speech that we've just exercised. And, you know, as the left say, I may face some consequence for, <laughs> for my <laughs> assertion that 80s gays were the best gays. Okay, just a quick hype. Um, I think I did all the new patrons at the beginning. Patrons, there's another benefit coming up soon, which is, uh, look, I might as well just say it's a radio record for Radio 4. We're going to have a live virtual audience. And and I'm currently in negotiating, not negotiations, I'm emailing them, trying to get as big a share of the tickets online for my patrons as I can. And then that will be divided, obviously, with the majority going to VIP, then the next tier, and then a, a few for the the three pound tier as well. So do stay tuned for that. The, the live stuff is going to keep coming. The audio book at the moment, a lot of you have asked me, I mean, three, let's be honest, three people have asked me about the audio book. And at the moment it is free. It's fucking free. Like it's, it's zero quid. Uh, if you do the trial with audible. Okay. So if you go on and do that thing, do the trial. I know some of you already pre-ordered the, the hardback, uh, you you can you can listen along with Norcott. I don't know, like some sort of kids thing. And 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 Andrew, are you, you have you done an audiobook for this one, or do people just need to get the proper real deal hardback? Uh, no, I did an audiobook as well. So I I, I read it, you know. Uh, and um, I may. It's annoying though because I, I look back and I realise I mispronounced a couple of names. It's a bit depressing, but anyway, it's done. It's there. It's on record. So if you want to listen to that, I reckon that is when when you when you do that, people finish the whole ten hours. They'll go. Fuck, I cannot believe you got those two names wrong. Well, you know what? Actually, they might notice because mine's a very short book, uh, deliberately so. Uh, oh, so okay. it's, it's very noticeable, you know. And I had a sore throat on the day. It wasn't my best performance. But look, if you're happy to ignore all that, then yeah, get the audio. Was the sore throat because you were sucking all those dicks to prove to that woman that you were gay? That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was a different woman, but it was the same scenario. <laughs> I have to prove it every day. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, the women aren't even saying that you're not gay anymore. You're going, oh, no, I'm at this point. I'm just proving it to myself. It's a more habit at this at this point. <laughs> Look, you could get both our audiobooks. You could get double teamed by Doyle and Norcott in your own house. You could have one of us in one ear and one in the other. And I think this is where I'll leave this metaphor. <laughs> Okay, right. So let's talk about free speech, free speech matters. Just so what was it? I mean, obviously you've had, you've had a couple of books out now. What was it that made you feel like you wanted to get something out of this exact point in time? I was writing a different book. I was writing a book about the culture war and about um, the, the social justice movement. And um, that is uh, as a, a more substantial book. It's a longer book. And I was about halfway through, maybe not, maybe about a third of the way through. Um, and um, I, I, well, I mean, the publisher got in touch to, to talk to me about about the book and about this idea of a free speech book and it just hit me as being actually a, a really good idea to sort of clear this up first because it underpins so much of the other book I was writing and mm. I was going to probably do a chapter on it but actually I think it does sort of merit a book in its own right um, and I wanted to write a short kind of accessible book that takes on board the arguments of free speech skeptics um, in good faith and doesn't just go in like a like a steamroller and says, oh, you're all idiots. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I, I don't want, I don't want that. I wanted to write something that could 
persuade uh, people of the merits of free speech and also understand why people are nervous about it. So that so that was the idea. And, and, and because it's a short book, I could write it just in a month. Or a, it was about a month and a half and get it out quite quickly. But also because there was it was reaching the point where there were so many stories and, and, and it just became perfectly clear to me that people don't understand what free speech means anymore mm. and they don't understand why it's important anymore. And, and people are very flippant and casual about the way in which, for instance, our law enforcement agencies seem to be keen to monitor our speech all the time. Uh, we saw this with the big tech as well. People seem very casual about this idea of, of uh, this, these sort of, you know, silicon tech giants with more collective power than any nation state, but none of the democratic ac- accountability, yeah. just uh, deciding what people can and cannot say. And, and more and more people I hear, even people I know and respect, just casually using phrases like hate speech as though it's a thing, as though it's something that we should just accept as now the norm. There are there's certain speech that you just can't say. And <clears throat> I just don't believe that. And and um, so I thought, well, it would be quite a good thing to clear, clear that up in, in my own mind as well. And just sort of try and clarify my point of view on all, the, all of this stuff. So that's why I wrote it. I mean, I'm going to be devil's advocate now and put over the side of the sort of basic, it's mostly left-winger take or, or, or sort of suspicions about free speech, but I'm going to do it in a really whiny, annoying way as well, just so I still get to take the piss. Um, isn't it just websites exercising their own terms and conditions? Yeah, I mean, it gets boring, doesn't it? Because you hear this all the time. And, and, and I make the argument in the book, I make the case that, you know, of course, uh, you know, technically private companies can do Uh, whatever they want of course Mm. they can but there are all sorts of reasons why that argument is 20 years out of date you know this this we have antitrust laws whenever a small group of companies come together and and dominate the market but we don't do it for the internet and actually this is now the public square this is where uh, it all happens this is where the discussion takes place and it isn't the case that well you could say it's a private company you can you know so go and go off and make your own platform but then when people tried to do that they nuked parlor didn't they that so it's not the case that you can go off and 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 do your own yeah. thing and and, and well, i mean when they say it's just a private company i do think yeah it's the private company that was essentially this what seeded the arab spring black lives matter and and, and me too i said that's quite a problem because when someone says me private company i'm thinking of like wernham hogg or a sort of sort of paper distributors you know what i mean like it, it's so palpably more than that. And I wonder if there is like this slight, and ironically, it's a term that the left like to use. There's this strange gaslighting where they're trying to pretend that something's not happening. I'd rather than just go, look, okay, we like these views. This company, largely speaking, hold these views. So we're going to support their right to kick you off. Then you go, all right, now we can have a discussion about it. That's what it is. And also because no one wants to be the person who says they don't agree with free speech. Yeah. So what you'll see is an awful lot of denialism. And that's what we've seen, you know, since Gavin Williamson made his announcement about um, uh, free speech in universities about a week and a half ago. Uh, you just had complete denialism, particularly from the left. People saying there is no problem with free speech on university campuses. And then you'll mm. have, you know, someone will say, well, oh, man, what about this report from Policy Exchange this last year, which shows that a substantial proportion of academics won't express their honest points of view because they fear they won't get a promotion. What mm. about, and they're, oh no, that's not happening. They'll just deny. It's not even like they weren't even engaged with it. It's just, oh, no, it doesn't happen. What about all the students that say the same? Oh no, that's just, it's not true. Yeah, okay. why do I get so many uh, Patreons that basically say to me, please don't name check me yeah. uh, on the podcast because I work at a university? 
why is it that I'm I'm a lot? I'd say most of the messages that I do get from strangers, if we ignore all the abusive stuff, yeah. um, is 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 basically people saying I'm really pleased you're saying this sort of stuff because I I can't speak out of work, I can't say what I really think, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Are they just all lying to me? Is that is that mm. what it is? Because it's a weird hoax to participate in. I, I just I just think though, in terms of the. the if, even if you're a free speech, even if you're the type of person that says, look, censorship can only be enacted by the state. Private companies can do whatever they want. Universities are allowed to no platform whoever they want. Even if you're that person, how can you deny that there's a problem when the police are routinely investigating people for non-crime? How can mm. how how is that something you can just deny? Because that's happening. <laughs> well, well so there were West Mercia police that had that thing that said be, being offensive is a crime. I, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. And then everyone's going, no, it's not. No, it's not. Being offensive is fucking highly subjective. You know, no, I'm weird. offended that the old Bill don't seem to know what the law is. So can I put you in prison? You know, there's a couple of things about that. I've been thinking about this. So that was Merseyside Police. And there was, it, was a, it was a viral image of them standing outside Asda, I think, with yeah. a big digital billboard. And one of the big slogans that came up was, um, you had it pretty much spot on, being offensive is an offence, right? And so the first thing that crossed my mind is, well, look, this isn't just like one police officer who's gone rogue. This is, they had meetings. This was a digital billboard, fully designed, a, a massive big thing. So they'd had meetings, they'd had conversations, they'd had yeah. a great, people had said, look, what about this wording? No, I think this changed that syllable. So it all been decided. So clearly the police do think uh, that it is their job to monitor the, the speech of citizens in the UK, because otherwise the thing wouldn't have appeared in the first place. But then subsequent to that, I actually revised my opinion on this, which is after they took it down and apologised and said, oh, sorry, you know, causing offence isn't actually against the law. Um, then I thought about it and actually it is against the law and they'd inadvertently hit on the truth because the mm. Electronic Communi Communications Act criminalises people who post material that is grossly offensive. Grossly offensive is the standard. So it actually is against the law to be offensive. Um, so they were right. And that's even more scary. Just to sort of quote an, another sort of left-wing sort of trope here. Um, freedom of speech, Andrew, isn't freedom from consequences. Yeah. And, mm. and it's just as well that no, no one ever said it was, really. <laughs> I mean, one of, one of the... the things yeah. i've actually got a, a chapter in the book called common misconceptions and that's right there at the top um yeah. because it's so surprising to me the number of uh, straw men in this world literally no one i mean i even quote three or four guardian columnists who all say the same thing they basically say a lot of people on the right seem to think that free speech means uh, freedom uh, to say what you want without rebuttal literally no one thinks that literally no one has ever suggested that well, it's just ridiculous to think that that's even possible it's not, but it, but no one thinks this is the thing. What shape would that take where you could just say whatever the <laughs> fuck you want in, right? The hateful, racist, bile stuff, and everyone just go, hey man, look, I respect your right to it. No one's, and to, even the worst racist isn't expecting no pushback. Right. So, I mean, this is the thing. So, talk about gaslighting, you know, it, mm. and it, you'd be surprised. I mean, I had to read a lot, I, I do read a lot of stuff from that side of the argument because I have to know what it is I'm criticizing. Um, and, um, You'd be surprised that comes up pretty regularly um, in, in the Guardian, the page of the Guardian. You see it all the time. You know, free speech. People think it means freedom from consequences. All they mean by that, if the consequences being arrested um, yeah. or being beaten up or, or threatened, then sure, fine. Those consequences are not acceptable. But but the idea that there is anyone out there who thinks that they should not be criticised in any way for their view mm. is is so 
palpably not true. And and yeah. so that's one of the things yeah. I've... The other one that I... um Well, it's almost like, you know, it, it sounds a bit mafioso, doesn't it? It's like where they're trying to tell you something but not say it, like uh, freedom of speech. Uh, it's not freedom <laughs> from consequences, Billy. Yeah? <laughs> it is like it's, a threat. It's always, like yeah, a... I'm just saying there could be consequences. You say that you don't think trans women should compete in women's sport. I'm just saying, one of those dumbbells might land on your fucking head. <laughs> There's so much what you'd call gaslighting going on in this in, in this entire debate. And, you know, and it just fits in with a broader thing about, you know, the ones you'll have heard a lot of things like uh, cancel culture is a right wing myth, um, which is a funny one as well. And, and it, because the evidence of cancel culture is so overwhelming and easy to find, it just takes yeah. a quick Google search. Um, and it's and or the culture war is a right wing concoction. That's the other thing. Uh, and the people who say that are the people who have stoked the culture war, the people at, at the Guardian, the leftist identitarians. Uh, it's really weird. It's like you start a fight. Yeah. You, you put all your you put all your men in place. You start the battle and then you just say, oh, the other side just made this up, man. Well, it's I not do you think that that's a, a response to realising how damaging it is to the brand of the left? Because it the idea be. of the left has become packaged up like where they've just suddenly gone, oh, fuck, we lost heavily in 2019. Look, a lot of people do just think we're a bit lame, especially working class people. And 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 they sort of tried to, it's, it's a way of just stepping away just a bit from some yeah. of the wackier ends of the debate. It could be, but it's also a way to evade the debate, you know, because if I like someone like me who will criticize the culture war because I can't stand it and I want it to come to an end. Um, it's very easy then to say that I am the culture warrior by criticizing the excesses of the of the identity politics left. Um, so it's it's almost a ruse. You don't have to, you know, and, and and the thing is, the things that they're trying to implement, you know, to take an example from the other day or even today, you know, the suggestion that uh, babies are racist, you know, that study in America that's saying that babies at the at the age of three months are racist, you know, and then someone will come out and criticise that. Mm. And they'll say, why? You're just one of these culture warriors. Why are you just because they don't see that the phrase babies are racist is a is, is a, a culture war manoeuvre. Yeah. But of course, yeah. that's that's what the, that is, is at the heart of the culture war. It's shit like that. It's racist babies. It, well, maybe they're the engines of the culture or the racist babies. I mean, know? babies, let's be honest, are like they are some of the most superficial sort of people. They do. They do apparently respond better to better looking people. They are obnoxious like that. Yeah. I, I, I can totally accept that. But I don't think they're racist. Babies. No, I, I think that they respond better to better looking people. But I don't think that they care if that beauty comes from a black or white face. That's what I would say. I just think that they're incredibly like vain and hollow but they're not quite full racist. I just think if you're serious about tackling racism in society, I don't think a creche is the place to begin. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to put yeah. my neck out and say that. Yeah. First up, could every all the white babies here please just apologise? <laughs> I know you're six months old, but you've already done some stuff. You're already benefiting from something. Um, here's the thing. How did, do, do they realise that calling somebody one of these free speech guys, free speech guy doesn't sound like a bad thing. I have to say, it sounds like a pretty, if, if like you had a sort of philosophical superhero, that would be one of the better ones. Well, it's a bit like, it's a bit like the phrase do-gooder, isn't it? Oh, you do-gooder. Well, what's it? It's the equivalent. You're absolutely okay. right. Yeah. Doing good is all right. Um, but I think, yeah, well, it's because it's because of this thing. And this is one of the main things I address in the book is this idea that free speech has become associated with the right and even the far right, mm. uh, which is, can you remember all the, 
you know, when the fascists came to power, remember the March on Rome, it was all about free speech. That's what they were they were pushing for. And I guess that's what they're they're suggesting that we're, you know, and anyone who's on that political side of the aisle, it's I've, I've, I've kind of owned the principle of, of, of free speech. I, I think it's weird that people on the left are saying it's a ruse, that it's actually the principle's pretty fundamental. Like yeah, it's free. It's just funny, man. Like free speech guy. Like you go, look, if most of the country, right, who aren't on Twitter every day, if they just happen to catch you using that as an insult, they're not even going to hear it as an insult. They're going to go, yeah. oh, right, yeah, no, all my life I thought free speech was a really great thing. Who is this free speech guy? Where can I get some of his content? It's 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 one of the strangest things. And and again and again, I'm told, well, you know, you're only promoting free speech because you, you want to be able to be racist. And I'm like, well, that's weird because I've, I'm not a racist and I don't say racist things. So why would I want sudden, you know, it's this assumption that you must have some sort of ulterior motive if you want to defend the foundational principle of liberal democracy. It's a really weird, it is uh, a really weird thing. It's like a domestic, you know, that one of those arguments in a couple where it's going a certain way, and then they start throwing this other shit in and you go, oh, you're not willing to be reasonable about this because you kind of know you're in the wrong. So <laughs> what I, I'm operating on a steady DEFCON too, but you're going free for, you, you've got a Cuban missile crisis going before I've even scrambled some fucking fighter jets here. I promise you, Jeff, the, the bizarre pylons I've had this week from people who are angry that I've published a book defending free speech is insane. It, it, you know, yeah, it, what's it your just... motive, Andrew? Why are you defending free speech? What is wrong with you? Yeah, it's uh, particularly like, I mean, you mentioned the Alistair Campbell one earlier. I mean, his thing was yeah, fairly... Through that. Well, his was fairly standard, which was, uh, oh, look, another person complaining their free speech is being curtailed while they've got a published, while they've got a, a book deal and they're on the radio and TV talking about it and stuff like that. And it's, um, but of course I've never ever claimed that I'm being censored or that mm. I don't have free speech. So the assumption there is that you can't defend a, a problem that you perceive unless it is directly impacting on you is weird because we don't apply that to anything else. Well, you, you, know? you couldn't be a fucking lawyer if that was the case. We go, well, how's this guy being a lawyer? He hasn't murdered anybody. He hasn't exactly. raped anybody. What the fuck does he know? It is so, it is so basic and- um, It's childish. I, I did reply to him uh, impolitely. I wasn't rude. I replied to him. I posted yeah. a screenshot from the book in which I say I've never been censored. I don't think it's likely, uh, I, you know, basically just uh, the thing he should have read before he criticised, uh, you know, and I had the same thing from Bonnie Greer. Bonnie Greer attacked me saying, oh, look, another conservative right winger worried about his, uh, his free free speech. Um, and uh, of course, I'm not conservative or right wing. And, and again, so, so much of the assaults are, are just, they're just guessing what they think they're criticising. But he's trying to say you shouldn't listen to this guy because that's what I think they're trying to do. I think they're scared of what you're saying and they need to try and throw... In a, it was in the same way that the left did at the last election with the Tories. Instead of dealing with the issues head on, they sort of escalated the terms of it, which is this is a far right. And then it was, oh, this is a Nazi government. And they're basically sort of saying, if you think anything positive about this person, you're on that platform and they're not really engaging with the ideas and and maybe it's because they don't really believe in free speech and that's what it is and they but they don't but they, but they can't say that like i say i think that's a very unpopular thing to say and they know that yeah yeah it would I be mean, so much easier no like you say no one no one says i don't believe in free speech if they were to say i believe in quite a strictly managed version of speech you go fair enough that's a defensible position you can debate with that well that's that's it like i like yes yasmin alibi brown does that and i respect her for it she yet she does say that she wants the government 
to censor certain points of view, certain certain things. You know, I don't agree with it at all, um, fundamentally, but at least she admits it. Mm. And I think that's what it is. I think so much of the, the well, look, I, when we talk about the left, I make a very clear distinction between what I consider the authentic left, yeah. which are those who are concerned with class and economic inequality, and the faux left, the identity politics left, who are interested in, in identity above all other things. And, and it's typically very upper middle class. Um, and that's that's where you get the Guardian and the New Statesman uh, come in, uh, who I do not think are in any way authentically left wing. Um, but um, I can't remember where I was going with this. But yeah, that that form of leftism, the identitarian form of leftism, is essentially hostile to free speech because they believe that language is how we construct reality because they, they come from this postmodern background where they believe uh, that's why they talk about uh, how language and jokes normalize hate, legitimize hate, all of that sort of stuff. Words of violence, you've heard that one quite a bit. Um, yeah. it's, it's just at the heart of their ideology, but they still always stop short of saying, we don't believe in free speech because they just know from a PR perspective that's not going to go down well. But the truth is, if you read what they say about this stuff, they don't. They don't believe in free speech and they do want the state to curtail, curtail it. They don't, they don't see a problem with the, the concept of non-crime hate incidents. They don't see a problem with, what is it, 3,000 people arrested every year for offensive comments. Uh, and they do think that people who, uh, who have the wrong opinion should be booted off Twitter. So, you know, it, that, it makes sense that they would say this. Look, man, we it's like a radio show today because we've got a fixed amount of time here. So just before we quickly move on to a letter here, just to remind us, Tyler, but where's the best place for people to, to order your book? Uh, well, any bookshop, really. It's called Free Speech and Why It Matters. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, you can get it. Any I posted a link to Amazon. And, of course, I got a lot of people saying, but Amazon aren't very good on free speech because they keep deleting books they don't agree with. I think they've just deleted a bunch of Dr. Seuss books as well. Oh, because it well, radicalises You're next. Somehow. And then once you do get censored, you'll be able to go back to and Alastair Campbell. But you won't because you'll have been censored. So, well, I won't because then he'll, be, he'll have been proven right. I'm not having that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I was loving that chat so much. We have overrun a bit. Just one letter here. There was a... Uh, there was somebody that emailed me about a political fight. It seems very apt this week. Who would win in a fight between Nicola Sturgeon and Alex Salmond? Bearing in mind, it's been quite delightful this week to see her put on the stand, seeing how well she's coped with not being yeah. the darling of the liberal press. I, I always would have said Nicola Sturgeon, but mm. um, Alex Salmond has been behaving like a gangster this week. Like, he's, mm. he's actually been... been uh, Pretty like he he's perfectly prepared to see the whole SNP crash and burn. He's prepared to see his entire dream of an independent yeah. Scotland destroyed for the sake of revenge. That's pretty hardcore. You know? I must admit, I did think that about him. I was sort of watching it and I thought, well, you know, he seems like a wrong and telling the truth. And yeah. she seems like a half decent person lying for her fucking teeth. It was it was an interesting I do think with her, like you know, it's a, it's a stereotype about the Scottish to talk about how hard they are, but I do feel like Sturgeon is genuinely the toughest person in most rooms that she's in. And yeah, but I think she can't be at the the problem with at the moment is like the SNP have uh they haven't behaved well. Like they, they oh. did break the law in their investigation. So she's on she's on the back foot, right? So it's it's difficult for her to to tough it out. At this I, stage, did, I did think at one point when she was under sort of cross-examination that there's, you know, like Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men, where <laughs> it's sort of like the anointedness would come out, like the, the entitlement of you can't handle the fucking truth, you little pissant. Yeah. And it would be amazing if she did that 
You think I redacted those documents? Damn right I redacted those documents, Alex Salmon, because we don't want your sort. It would have been yeah. amazing. There are amazing. words behind black block fucking <laughs> letters, son, and they're there for a reason. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would get more respect for her. Let's just, we always drill it down to an actual assessment of how the fight would go. I mean, obviously he's bigger. He He's going to have, he's, he's always awful to talk about a man hitting a woman, but he's got, he's got the range. He's got the reach. I do think that she's wiry. She could work the inside there a little bit. I think he's he's a bit more gauche, though. I think he would be a he would lumber in the ring, and I yeah. think she would be a bit more nimble. And anyway, I would want her to win simply because the last Edinburgh show I did, uh, he was my flyer flyered him every single day, and he promised he'd come, and he never did. Freak. So I want him good to go down. Fuck that guy. I mean, let's be honest; it'd be kind of funny if they both went down. Um, so let's let's call that one as a simultaneous knockout a la Rocky 2. And just finally here, I'll do a couple of review reviews. If you review me on iTunes and Spotify and all that, I'll read out some of the reviews. So let's just read out um, a couple here. And they often take me, uh, as Andrew can now see me actually looking at my phone to find out the reviews. This is the level of prep here. Uh, this says... Uh, I wish I had discovered this podcast earlier. Great to have some balance restored. Keep up the good work, Jeff. Uh, this is from Sheer Hulk. I continue to think this podcast is great and listen regularly. Uh, you refer to your sole appearance on Mock the Week. I mention it sometimes, Andrew, that I was on there once. Were you on Mock the Week? Once. Never went back. Never went back. I managed, well, basically, I managed to get three anti-Remainer jokes in, and that kind of sealed my fate a little but bit. You don't need to go back because now they can sh- now they can say they've got a balance. They, oh, they've done it. Yeah, yeah. No, tick tick that box. Tick that box. But uh, Sheer Hulk says, "Keep it going, please." Well, look, it'll be mainly in the form of a podcast after my solitary <laughs> appearance. Uh, this is from Wab Fab. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Dorset Dick. There's nothing funny about that. <laughs> Always cheers me up reassures me that I'm not the only sane one left. I mean, it, you, you live in Dorset, Dick, so, I mean, there is actually a strong chance that you are the only sane one left to fucking... Absolutely. I'm sure he'll be really grateful that you did the voice. Oh, no, no I mean, the, the thing is, one of the, the big risks I take is to insult all of my patrons' names and, 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 and essentially anyone that leaves positive feedback, because the great thing about not being a left-wing comic is I don't have to be nice, Andrew. I don't have to... People- that's what people are paying for. It's like that that Chinese restaurant in Soho people used to go to because the waiters were notoriously rude. Oh, what, the what, the Wong Key. I can't remember what it was called, but they, well, they were just really rude to you. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is, I, to, to illustrate the point, I would have to do basically a racist accent now. Um, yeah, you can't do that, but otherwise we're back to square one again. But there was there was there's a place in Chicago. I, think we, I feel like we've both lost respect for the listeners there, that none of us would even attempt the accent there. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, right? To fin- I can't do it. Andrew's now muted himself. He's gone. He can't give Alistair Campbell <laughs> this sort of thing. Look, I'm going to do the accent in three, two, one. Thank you.